Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. When I read an account of Christian faith on the hugely popular online Mamma Mia site, an account that both holds up that faith as something good and it gets a good hearing, when I see something like that there, it's got my attention. The author is Erica Bartle. Mia Friedman, good friend of Open House, is a big fan of Erica. She says Jesus and religion are becoming more important to Erica and she finds her take on popular culture quirky and refreshing. And there's quite a story that is Erica Bartle's life. She's been a teen magazine editor, battled anorexia, and today is a popular blogger in her own right on her Girl with a Satchel site. She's passionate about helping young women realise their potential in God. Perfect fit for Open House. Erica, welcome. Thank you, Lee. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you with us. You were brought up by Protestant and Catholic parents. Yes, I'd probably say that faith wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that we discussed around the dinner table, but I was certainly aware that there was a bit of antagonism because of faith, but it it certainly wasn't um, a key part um, of my childhood. I guess it was kind of a silent awareness, an unspoken antagonism that existed. Because that clash was often explosive. Fancy having it in your own home. Obviously, by the 70s when my parents were married, uh, it was certainly more socially acceptable to intermarry between faiths. So I don't think that that was a a particularly burdensome issue for my parents, except for times such as Christmas. I would uh, accompany my mother and grandmother to church, uh, at Catholic church, whereas my dad would stay at home. So there were different levels of the faith, but but certainly I wouldn't say that we were practicing Christians or practicing Catholics. I went to Catholic primary school and a Catholic high school. But even then, I I don't think I had an overarching sense that I'm a Christian and, and this is how I live my life. It Especially wasn't. when as a teen you started to rebel. That's right. That's right. <laughs> as you do. As lots of Catholic school girls do too, <laughs> apparently. Uh, I picked up a book the other day about convent school girls and Jermaine Greer had written an essay about her experience as a convent school girl. And unfortunately, I think that um, you know Catholic convent schools are tainted by the brush of those of us who did rebel against them, whereas probably the vast majority of students uh, were very good and socially responsible girls. Did you have good memories of that childhood and that education? I do. I definitely had a sense of stability and community. And it's one of the things I speak to girls about when I do go into schools now is what a privilege it is to be a part of a school community that is tight-knit, that does have very strong core values, um, community and faith and, and doing things for others and thinking not only of the self. How serious was your rebellion? The rebellion came about as a response to my parents' divorce and to um, some anxiety within the home. Boys became more interesting to me. The wearing of, of certain clothes became more interesting to me. And I was certainly indoctrinated into a culture via magazines and, and media. That entertainment certainly fed ideas into my life and I probably didn't have the awareness in the teen years or the media literacy to understand what impact they might have And how powerful it was. You then go on to land a job at Girlfriend magazine. I mean, you must have thought all your Christmases had come at once. This is as a teen as well. 
Yes and no. It was a, a happy coincidence. Um, I had grown up reading Girlfriend and, and Dolly, but certainly through my university experience, I had the idea that it might be more fulfilling to join a more serious-minded journalistic publication. Um, and as any kind of media or journalism student is aware, it's a highly competitive field. Sure. Lee, I'm sure that you're oh, more yeah. aware than most. I know all about that. Yes, yes, a veteran of 40 years, very impressive. <laughs> um, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did have ideas while at university to work as, as perhaps a, a foreign correspondent in, in Indonesia or I was very interested in what was happening in the archipelago. At that stage, I had kind of a, a, a rising political awareness as lots of university students students do. But it just so happened that a job at Pacific Magazines came up. I decided to uh, leap at the chance to join Pacific Magazines and that was working for a title called K-Zone, targeted at young boys at that stage. And while I was at K-Zone, I did some writing for Girlfriend and starting out as a beauty writer and then promoted to beauty editor and then deputy editor. And and I, I felt like I'd I'd found my place when mm. when that deputy editor role came around. How old were you then? I was 23 years old and the beauty editor's role didn't always sit well with me. It posed many challenges. What were they? It's a very superficial kind of industry. Um, while I was working in the position, you kind of justify it to yourself on the basis of, well, at least I can feed something positive into girls' life. When I was a teenager, I'd struggled with, with acne and um, I had braces and, and crazy frizzy curly hair and um, I felt very uncomfortable in my skin. I definitely had an awareness that once I'd stopped my serious dance studies that my body changed shape as it does for lots of young dancers and, and lots of teen girls but I was very uncomfortable with that and by that stage, my, my mother had moved out of home and my sister and I were living with my father. So I, I guess I didn't really have anyone to, to speak to about the changes that were taking place and to vent my frustrations, I suppose, or to look to for advice. And the pressures of body image. It's a huge pressure, unfortunately, yeah. because, you know, I'd love to be able to say that I, I focused all my energies on my, my studies and uh, developing my faith, but that simply wasn't the case. I, I felt very uncomfortable and very unsure of myself. So what I wanted to do in that beauty editor role on Girlfriend was to, to let girls know, well, well hey, acne is not a crime. You shouldn't feel ashamed. Um, it, it's a stage and I guess I, I address that beauty editor's role in a way of wanting to fashion content in a way that wasn't doing any harm to girls. But by its very nature, magazines present young journalists with a conundrum because you are beholden to advertisers. If, for example, a, a prominent beauty brand is advertising within your pages, then you do feel a sense of having to create um, some content that reflects on them in a positive way, even though you might think otherwise. Such a pressure, isn't it? It is a pressure, and I think that most people operating in commercial media feel that. They do, and yet they're still there doing the same old stuff. I think it's trying to make the most of a situation that, that is reality, and and in some ways um, that pertains to, to faith and how we talk about 
faith in media circles also. Um, the reality is that Australia is a largely, as the media would have it, secular society. So how do you carve out a place and space within that environment in which you can be authentic about how you feel about God and how you feel about Christ and uh, that's why I think it's very important that we have stations and Christian publications and newspapers and blogs and discourses that help us like I did at Girlfriend with the teen girls to understand that you're not alone on this walk you know there's a bit of an alliance. The pressures that you were trying to address in girls lives you started to feel yourself very personally. That's right I did and I suppose what I wanted to do is be very careful about the way I talk about my personal experience because I know that when you struggle with body image and eating disorder as I did you're drawn to content or you're drawn to any information that you think might help you but often is the case that that very content will do you more harm. I became immersed in content very well versed I knew everything about nutrition and health information and I did apply it to myself to the nth degree that is something that I would recommend any girl stay away from because I kind of ticked all the boxes as as someone who would have a predisposition towards developing eating disorder or anorexia a type a a perfectionist someone who was very committed to um you know getting the best out of themselves and trying 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 so hard um but but tried a little too hard How sick did you get? Very ill. I was never hospitalized by God's grace, but I was sick to the extent that it limited my ability to function as as a proper human being in society and within a family context also and to love others. And it provided me with a severe spiritual conflict as well. How can I be a practicing Christian and love others if I loathe myself? On Open House, we're with Erica Bartle. So, Erica, how did you make it out? And how long did it take for you to emerge? It took a very long time. It wasn't an overnight revelation, though there were a few key moments along the way that really helped to propel me along. It probably wasn't until about 2010 that I really felt myself emerging from the pits of eating disorder. And that was a revelation of God's love for me. And you'd been in those pits for how long? I would say two years of really hard slogging, struggling. And even now, a couple of years down the track, there are wounds that that come up that you still have to address. There are a few key moments. One was my husband getting on the page with me. He was like any, any family that suffers through eating disorder with the sufferer. It's confounding. So for him to say, you're not in this alone, we're going to do this together and to open up that level of dialogue where it could just be free and honest communication because the the hideous thing about eating disorder is so much of it happens in secrecy and you are grappling with guilt and despair in secrecy. Although people can see the effects and they can feel the effects, they don't have that level of understanding. So as soon as I could talk to him quite openly as, you know, my spouse and, and my soulmate, then that enabled me to unburden myself. What a man. Yeah. There are times when I know he, he felt like walking away. It was very, very hard on him. 
and he's still dealing with the repercussions from that. It breaks my heart to think that I, I wounded him in some way by going through what I went through. But yes, he stayed in the trenches with me. He was a real fighter. I know that his parents encouraged him to stay with me, stay the race, because it will get better, and it, and it certainly did. Yeah. So he was one factor. Was yes. there another one? Well, Jesus... It's all very well to say, oh, well, Jesus saves the day. But um, for me, it was very much an intellectual and spiritual battle also. So what I had to know from the depth of my heart was that God willed his best for me and that Jesus would attend to every single wound and would accompany me on this journey and only wanted the best for me and didn't want me any harm. Personally Mm. and practically, on all levels, I no longer felt the sense that I had to to punish myself. Jesus had atoned for that, but I also had to get to a place where I started replacing uh, certain habits and characteristics that I could identify myself with more Christ-like characteristics that I thought would be conducive to, to getting well. I don't think there's one blueprint. I would certainly encourage anyone who may see themselves going that way or who can identify with what I went through to seek out professional help because I yes. did see a psychologist, I did see a dietitian. What were the characteristics that you took on or sought to take on? I suppose just that sense of our Father, you know, daily praying, you want what's best for me today, give me my daily bread, forgive me the wrongs and help me to walk today with you and just letting go. Eating disorder is very much about control, wanting to control every situation of every day and planning everything to the utmost and just letting go and believing that God has his best for me on any given day is part of the balm. So on the back of all of that, you begin Girl with a Satchel, your blog. What is the thinking behind that title and what do you try to do in it? I actually started the blog while I was working on Girlfriend magazine And that was as an extension of my writing. As a deputy editor, you are not writing a lot of content, you're editing a lot of content. So originally, uh, it started in 2007 as an extension of my work. So I talked about magazines, I talked about body image and other areas that I was interested in. The interesting thing is that the blog has very much evolved as I have as both a Christian and a woman. Where I sit now with my faith and my worldview is very different to what I did in 2007. Life is still very complex. It's it's intensely interesting to me. But I think my worldview is, is wide and beyond myself. I suppose my worldview as a Christian is, is absolutely informed by the scriptures and, and the gospels. So on the one hand, God creating something that, that was beautiful and perfect, and then man, by his free will, made a decision to depart from that perfect will of God. And thus, we have, since the beginning of time, a fallen world and, and circumstances that are derived from that. And now what I, I seek to address on the blog is an alternative. You know, there there are very good things that are happening in the world and very good things that are happening in, in the Christian world. So trying to balance or be a bridge between man's fallen nature and, and the circumstances of a fallen world and what Jesus was encouraging us to do as Christians, and that was to enact 
heaven on earth well what is the alternative what are we to do as christians to again uh, ameliorate uh, some of these circumstances or to forge a better path it seems to me when i read it a practical blog and a hopeful one and an authentic one thanks lee i I appreciate that i've got a sense of a privilege but also accountability i think and I've felt quite a burden. I had worked in in women's media and I had in the past as a a blogger perhaps paid lip service to sections of the media that are actually not helpful or conducive to living our lives in a, uh, a fruitful and hopeful way. Wanting to simply give something to Jesus because I'm so intensely grateful for the fact that I've been not only saved, but that my life is beyond what I could have imagined. My marriage is challenging still, but blossoming. My career, I feel, is is rewarding and challenging. Well, thank you, Jesus. What can I now do to repay you for that great favor? So the satchel is a little lighter, actually. I feel lighter, Lee. And I think that, yes, uh, the blog will feel lighter I think to to any readers because I have a sense of hope and joyfulness that's not to say that on certain days I'm not struggling uh, on some theological level or to make sense of the world why are things this way Um, this is where it's very real though I hope so but I hope that young women in particular that that might come and I get lots of young male readers also who who come to the blog hardly surprised at that The Satchel is a place where, like Open House, we can come and we can talk about the issues, whatever is weighing us down in this this metaphor of the Satchel. Let's discuss the issues. Let's talk about why things are problematic from from a Christian worldview. But let's not shut other people out from the debate. Let's welcome them in. Let's nut out the issues, but let's not leave it at that. Let's talk about the way forward. And leave the world with a bit of hope at the end of the day. Why not? Why not? What is life without hope? And what did Jesus give us if if not hope? Because on any given day, um, most of us are struggling on, on some level. If I leave the earth tomorrow, then I hope that in some small way I've helped to ease a burden or create a light or a hope that is there in an area that there wasn't before. I'm sure you have already. Erica, thank you so much indeed for coming in on Open House. We'll post the link up for Girl with a Satchel. Great to see you. Thanks for your time and thanks for having me on, Lee. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.